Hello love, welcome back to another podcast episode. I thank you for being here. I thank you for being you. I thank you for showing up in whatever form that you need to and holding space for yourself or asking to take up more space. Um, the past few hours have kind of been like hard on my body, but I want to like have us be a moment of introspection also. I just got a new microphone, so I'm going to hope that this works um, and that it's plugged in right so hello all um i have had a lot of journey with anxiety which i call alarm now learning from anxiety rx by russell kennedy and i'm learning that how i feel is what needs to be felt into and so tonight Um, something kind of like triggered an aspect of a part of me that got like felt abandoned in this household before so I'm living with a friend and um, before I flew out here to be here um, we had like a get together with some other friends and one night the night before I had to leave like abruptly I never felt like I, I just felt abandoned and nobody today had made me feel like abandonment but like um, I had like this weird wound I don't like the word weird but I love that about myself and that's what I'm trying I'll circle back around to why I'm saying that um but it's it's like a weird wound where when other people go to bed it's either I love it or I feel abandoned and normally I love peace and quiet but I haven't had like I've had some alone time but I've also noticed myself kind of like sleeping in more to avoid the alone time and um not giving myself like the peace of mind and so tonight I kind of just wanted to spend time with my friend but she was tired and I could have communicated that and I've already mentioned that tomorrow to her um but she was tired and I'm not going to keep her up because when I'm tired I want to go to bed as well and I'm like well I'm not tired and also I did sleep until one o'clock today (laughs) which is not usual for me except um in my household normally i'm not allowed to sleep in so being here and being able to sleep in feels so good so anyhow circling back to um what happened kind of uh this was december january i had to leave abruptly and that night everybody went to bed and i had like the worst panic attack i think that i had ever experienced where my heart was racing so fast and i I was hungry and i couldn't eat and then i was nauseous because i couldn't eat and when i did try to eat i'd become more nauseous and I had that awful pit in my stomach of like panic and just like total anxiety just like rippled in my gut and so that just felt awful and uh, it made me think about that night again and then tomorrow I have to go to the dentist and nobody likes the dentist that's a worry on my mind thinking that my teeth are shifted um, and all these little worries and something that I also realized from the book by Russell Kennedy um, Anxiety Rx is what it's called um that worrying is actually highly intelligent because when we worry we don't have to um just have things like show up if we can predict it's a lot safer for our bodies to already worry about what could happen than for us to like totally not try to predict because a lot of us we didn't have very predictable childhoods so we taught ourselves to predict any outcome any timeline and so whenever I would start worrying my like my mother at home would be like don't worry like 
what is worrying going to get you? And so I, I kind of internalized, I, I did internalize that for a few months where I was just like, my friends would worry. And I'm just like, there's nothing to worry about. But it, it's an intelligent thing that my body is choosing to do. And so I'm trying to lean into that being like, okay, yeah, I'm a lot of worry. Um, but also what I think about, I'm, or like what I over put energy and exude energy into, I will attract. So how can I find balance with allowing my inner child to worry about the un- like unknown but also saying it's okay it's safe and so the past few hours I had like that awful feeling in my gut again where I didn't have a panic attack from it but I could observe it and I could just sit with it and sometimes that's so hard to do and I've been really really good about it in the past few weeks like even when I first got here I had a little bit of panic and alarm in my body and I could feel through it and I could just like ask for a hug or just like you know have a person next to me but tonight I'm being challenged again in a good way to just set with myself which I haven't really been doing like hence sleeping into one o'clock today my friend getting off at three I was like if I sleep in two hours of alone time I can do that but anymore I don't know if I'm gonna I was scared of that panic which I should have felt into it into that but I love that about myself and um the next thing I want to talk about is when there's something bad and there's some or there's only experience it's no good or bad but um I feel like I've been talking for like an hour now and it's only (laughs) five minutes and it's like almost three o'clock here and I had to get up at 6 a.m for a dentist appointment or just like like 6 50 to get ready for a dentist appointment um I can take a nap though so I'm not I can't worry about that that's my I'm allowed to worry I'm allowed to you know do that but my solution is I can come home and take a nap so it's okay I can rest easy um, so the other rule that Russell Kennedy talked about in his book was, um, when there's a lot of shame and it, like, it, there's an exudent of, like, feeling guilty and shame and embarrassment, that monster, that, that entity, I, that's the only way I can put it, it's neither good nor bad, it's just, like, I want to put, like, a fuzzy monster to it, um, it's not going to get us anywhere. It's like our like our ego is trying to protect us, but a lot of the times we just have to say like, hey, step aside for a second. I need to get through this fear. Like, I know you're trying to protect me, but I'm okay. I see what's happening. And so that's what you have to do with shame. And so when there's something that happens, it might feel shameful around to say, you know what? I made that mistake, but I love that about myself. Or when you do something like feeling guilty for something, apologize and say, I love that about myself. I made that choice. Do that to learn from it. Because when we put so much shame around things or things that have like a quote-unquote bad connotation, when we can just set with that feeling and we say, I love that about myself. Like, I've been trying to train me and my friend on that. Like, when there's something that we don't love about ourselves and we'll speak it out loud, we'll be like, and I love that about myself. And so exuding that, I love that word right now, exuding. I love the way that feels rolling off my tongue and in my voice box and I'm like so tired right now but I'm also like very euphoric because I just did a bed night routine and our bedtime routine and I turned on my fairy lights in the room that I'm staying in and um I burned some things that are gonna like calm down my nervous system smell wise and I put on some essential oils and now I'm just you know I'm in the zen headspace where I'm just like welcome to beautiful energy um but again there's no good or bad and that's something too is when it comes to panic attacks or it comes to shame 
we give good or bad oh anxiety alarm panic oh they're terrible things when i first had my first panic attack i thought i was dying every panic attack afterwards i always felt like i was dying it never got any better but once i realized that there was no good nor bad and i'm going to learn from this experience no matter what and i every time i would have a break from panic attacks and then it would start again like tonight could have had a panic attack i didn't and um Instead of thinking that you're a dog chasing its tail, like going around in circles and circles and circles, like, oh, I thought I was past this and I didn't, it's not so much of a roller coaster, like healing isn't linear. Healing isn't linear is more like spinning up in a tornado. It's you are spinning up to this new level and then you get gain awareness of what just happened and then you might be fine and then you're going to spin back up. And it's going to feel like, oh my god, I'm doing it again. But then you're going to find a new level of awareness. My first panic attacks were because um, my panic in my body made me feel like I wasn't real. And I already struggled with bad disrealization and dispersonalization because of childhood drama. And so (laughs) allowing anxiety to exude that even more, I didn't feel real at all. So I'd be at my kitchen table and I felt like I was in the Truman Show. I was just like, what the fuck? is happening and I I, it was awful and then that passed and I didn't have any panic for a few months I would be stressed out but then I was working a high stressed environment job where I worked as a barista and I made food and took care of customers and cashiering and everything and I had to run around for like five to eight hours a day and that was too much because by the end of that I incorporated coffee back in hence being a barista and I was running around all day. Didn't really get a break from my nervous system. I'd have like five minutes to go outside and relax, or I'd have like five or 10, 15 minutes to eat lunch. But that was not enough for my nervous system to regulate, to decompress for a little bit, because often I couldn't go outside. I'd have to eat inside or whatever the circumstance was. So that brought things back up again. So then I had panic again for like the second round, and I was like, oh shit, I'm going back into it. But I didn't panic because I didn't feel real. I felt panic because I was just so stressed and overwhelmed with school and work and everything that I didn't know what to do with it. So I gathered new tools in my toolbox. That helped for a little bit. And then a few days before I left my trip um, back in December uh, for oh, like 10 days to see friends from different areas of the United States, I started having awful panic attacks again where it would be like at midnight I would start having panic attacks and this was like um, a few days before New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve and Christmas Day and then that Christmas Day night and I I just kept happening all the way through New Year's Um, and I it was like when some of my worst fears were being triggered like nobody likes puking and I, I've taken on that trauma my siblings have a have a bad fear of puking and um so I've taken on that fear that I'm like freaking out whenever they don't feel good and so I one night I just felt nauseous and then every time I felt that feeling it would perpetuate into a bigger and bigger and bigger problem until I was you know having to literally dance or scream or do something to to try to channel the panic and it got to a point where I would have to like dance, use like this vibrating machine on my gut, like a massage gun on my gut. My vagus nervous, so this is what I'd be doing. I'd be like jumping up and down or dancing to like music so loud where I couldn't hear my own thoughts. I had a vibrating gun on my stomach to try to trigger my vagus nerve. Um, and I would just be like singing or shouting or just having to move or shake my body and everything. So I was doing so much 
That obviously didn't help because it made my body think that I needed to be in fight or flight. Did not know that. But I would have to do that until I got so exhausted I just passed out. And so I got through eventually through that and being around friends and, you know, us triggering each other. Like me and my friend um, right now, we play off of each other's panic sometimes. And so when she's panicky, I get panicky. And when I'm panicky, it triggers her panicky. And so being around that when I was super panicky was hard. And she's explained that it was hard too. And it was a really oh, crazy situation. And um, so all these things are kind of just, you know, unpacking right now and me thinking about all these things, but then saying to myself, like, I'm not too much because I when sometimes when I'd be at my own house and I'd feel panic my mom's just like oh you're overreacting or some of my siblings would just be like oh you're overreacting just like take a pill or just you know listen to music you'll be fine I'm like I can't do that like my panic is so large it feels like it's gonna eat me alive like it it radiates in my stomach and then it goes all the way throughout my chest and my throat and my head and my legs and I just feel paralyzed in this state and so what I've learned is that my final conclusion minutes um, learning from anxiety rx uh, by russell kennedy i um, keep saying that because i so encourage you listen or read that book i listened to it on audible um and i really want a physical copy except i'm waiting for it to be like the right time for me to be like i want to read it because i'm i'm more of a listener than a like a looker read it i just can't read I, I don't know why i just can't get myself to do it unless it's like I'm reading like an oracle card book or I'm reading self-help or poetry. Those are the only exceptions. Um, and so I learned that that panic in my body is my inner child. And I've been in a podcast episode on this, but tonight I really connected with my inner child. And now every time I feel that awful feeling in my gut, it's like what somebody would call a solar plexus if we're talking about chakras um, or chakras. And, um, which I, I, I have a weird connection with chakras because I don't like, and I don't want to appropriate, but a lot of people do speak on them. And I just, I want to be more educated before I talk about it. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think I'm ever going to be fully educated on anything in this lifetime. And so just being mindful, like when I do say something to do your own research, but um, I've learned that it's, it's my solar plexus area right where my stomach is. Like It's like this fist that's right below my rib cage, right in the middle of my body. And um, so I'll put my hand over that. Even if it's cold outside, I'll take my cold hand and I'll put it right on that space. And I'll whisper to myself, I'm okay. I'm safe. Nothing is attacking me right now. Look at where I am. I'm okay. I have people around me if I do need help. Um, whatever the circumstances are, just feeling that panic in your body. And for everybody, it's located in a different place. So don't think that it needs to be um, in one place or another. It can be anywhere. Some people, it's literally in their leg, or it can be in their head, or it can be in their hands or their arms. And But a lot of the times, it's located somewhere um, on your torso. So I'm really hoping the speaker is working. Um, I don't know if it is. It might be. I think that it might be because I see the the little squigglies on the screen. So I will feel the area. I'll whisper those things to me and then I'll just feel the uncomfortability. So for me, it shows up as like nausea. 
because I have a trauma response to puking growing up in household people that were fearful of puking so that's a trauma response so I'll feel nauseous in my stomach and then if my heart begins to race then I will start I do this thing where I count 99 to 60 really really slowly and just imagining my heart rate going down and down and down and it, it works every time that I've had this this bad feeling and my heart will start like racing so fast I'll count down from 99 to 60 and by the time I'm done my heart rate is like leveled and being really mindful of that because when our heart rate starts going our body f- thinks that we're in fight or flight and if we can calm that down first and it allows you to be able to feel a lot better because you don't feel like you have to move you kind of just sit there with that feeling and so speaking to her imagining what my inner child would need from me and my biggest thing is acknowledgement in this lifetime and I have a huge abandonment wound um, in so many areas of my life and so often the reason why I have a lot of panic is because some abandonment wound is coming up or I don't feel acknowledged enough and sometimes people can't give me all the acknowledgement that I really, really want, but all I can do is drop in and give myself that acknowledgement. So being really mindful that I do need a morning routine and I do need a bedtime routine to give myself that mindfulness of being away from my phone for like 30 minutes of just what does the water feel like on my face and um, how does it feel like for the, the toothbrush suds to be on my lips, things like that. And then I'll come in to the room or the space that I'm staying in and I'll journal and I'll do some stretching and then I always put on essential oils I grab crystals I sleep with crystals in my bed I'll make my bed I'll make like this little fort around me because it makes me feel really safe like I'm like like I don't know being held and then um I'll put on some chapstick and I will burn something or put smells around me to help ground me And then I'm just like, okay, I'm okay, and I'm ready for bed. And then I'll turn on frequencies before I go to bed. And um, I do on, like, a low frequency so I can, like, subconsciously more hear it than, like, actually hearing it because I do really like the quiet and the dark. But just enough to know that there's another, like, energy by me through my phone, this frequency coming through. Um, so that's like my little routine, but I just wanted to like share the little things that I've been doing that when I do feel this immense amount of panic in my body. Um, also something that I've also been working through is food trauma. And I think I might make that my own, like its own little podcast episode. Um, but I don't blame anybody for food trauma, but I grew up in a very like almond mom, (laughs) I guess, TikTok-esque, um, if you just go to TikTok and you look up Almond Mom, you know what I mean. But very picky on ingredients. And so um, it kind of led to me binge eating. A, also because when I was with my biological mom, I never knew what my next meal was going to be because I'm adopted now. Um, and so whenever I see food, I think I had to eat it all because I don't know what my next meal is going to be. But also because, and that's something that I'm still actively working through, as well as um, a mom that would like, adopted mom that sometimes would criticize not sometimes but most of the time would criticize everything that I did eat um so like even I remember one time I started a new diet called the keto diet to help with like um keeping my blood sugar stable while because when your blood sugar spikes it can also sometimes cause panic because people that are prone to panic attacks are very like hyper vigilant on what they feel in their body I think is the right word I'm looking for hyper vigilance 
actually that might be wrong sometimes i just use big words because it makes sense in my head and then i look up the definition and i'm like wait that was not correct but you know what i'm talking about and um so i started this new diet and I, i'm not allowed to eat sugar i'm not allowed to eat like carbs um to try to help just like balance my blood sugar and um i was like i want peppers because they're sweet and she's like oh of course you always want sugar and it like that was like something recently that i've just been thinking about like a lot because um i've been on keto diet for the past two months and um i've been eating very very strict but it also it costs a lot more when i'm living with other people to, for me to buy my own groceries and not just eat what's already in the fridge or the pantry here and um i am a very mindful person in general though mine is my family growing up i i'm very picky i'm not going to put like red 40 in my body or um, commercialized oils because my body strongly reacts to that i'm not saying i want you to do your own thing but for me i'm a very organic person in general i like to know the ingredients and what they are and where they're coming from um but besides that point now i'm just eating what is in the pantry and things that i want to eat intuitively so for instance we got these freeze-dried like oranges that do have added sugar to them and so for me that was kind of hard to eat because growing up in a household my mom's like do not eat that and so me allowing myself to eat that even though it was pretty much pretty sweet for me it was kind of like a rebellion like i have the power now and that's okay and allowing myself to eat what i want to eat instead of saying oh i need to eat this because even today like i was eating like more carbs than i have been for the past like two months and i was like oh my god so many carbs like this is gonna cause me to spiral and have all these issues but that was a fear and therefore it was anxiety and therefore it was alarm and therefore it was not real it was a storyline it was not intuition and so just saying oh i'm gonna eat this and i'm gonna fucking enjoy the way this freaking tastes because i've been so constrictive on what i've been able to eat the past like and every summer i'll go on a diet that my mom says i need to like go on because it will help me and then i'll go on a diet and then i'll break that diet and then i'll feel good again and then i'll go on a restrictive diet again i think i've been doing this like since uh, summer 2020 so for the past like three years i've been on like restricted diets at least once a year um and then one point in my life i chose to be vegetarian and then at one point in my life I became vegan and then I do really enjoy the taste of meat and the way my body feels eating meat once in a while. So I decided that wasn't for me. That was a personal choice. Um, my family didn't like that I was vegetarian and vegan. Um, but, <laughs> we, you know, we all have our own little things. So I think I'm going to make food trauma its own little um, things so I can talk about what I've done to help move me through food trauma. Um, talking about others about food trauma and the way to navigate through that because a lot of us do have eating disorders in this lifetime because of capitalism because of um, the patriarchy because of our parents own trauma because of our grandparents own trauma because of everything under the sun we have so many fears over what we can eat you go on tiktok and somebody's like oh you can't eat apples because pectin is bad for you and then oh you go and you can't eat carrots because carrots are no longer good for you or you go on and like all these different things and then you're like you start restricting like oh eggs are the worst thing in the, like the worst thing in the world for you and then you go and you see somebody that eats more carnivore and it's like you can eat raw meat and then other people are like never eat raw meat or like never eat vegan or you need to eat vegan to save the world it's like 
you're going to be told everything and you need to find out what is keen for you, what is good for you. And that's so hard to navigate until you get your own space where somebody's not going to tell you what you need to do, where you can finally choose for yourself. This is how I feel and this is the way I want to eat. So anyhow, this is like a little chit chat about um, alarm in the body, panic attacks, moving through that, and also food trauma. And excuse me, also I think, like I said, I'm going to make food trauma its own episode as I learn more about how I'm getting through it being in a new environment and as I travel how I'm going to be mindful about what I do put in my body but at the same time allow myself to eat what is native to the lands that I am on or native to the state or whatever the situation be as I travel um but I love you and I thank you for being you and I thank you for tuning in and just listening to my little nightly 3am chit chat about about life so I hope to talk to you again soon. I hope that wherever you are in time that it's you're having a good morning, good afternoon, or a good evening, or get ready for getting ready for bed and good night. Um, but yeah, adios.